It's Elite POV. Coming live to your area on twitch.tv. Yo, it's clear to see when you open up your feed that ain't nobody better than Elite POV. We bring the heat to your screen every week cause ain't nobody better than Elite POV. So understand every time that we speak that ain't nobody better than Elite POV. Our three letters is all you'll ever need cause ain't nobody better than Elite POV. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Elite POV, where it's podcast time, and you know what that means. I'm one of your hosts, Phil Cataldo, but you can call me Philium, alongside the draw, Jackie Rodriguez. What is up? What's up, everyone? Hello to everyone in the live chat. Your girl is hyped and happy. Look at all that FTR slash Pinnacle content we got yesterday, so I'm ready oh, to it. talk AEW. That's the only reason why you're happy, is that it? That's just that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, I wanted to screw be the every, only different Screw everything one. else. Screw I wanted everything to be else. the different yeah. one because I know yeah. this mm-hmm. is going to get talked about quite heavily. So let let me uh, start off uh, and and ruffle some feathers, piss <laughs> some people off. That's what I do. And the other voice you hear is the Canadian Prince Kyle Masters. What is up? And shout out to that great, great picture you have of Ant. And this is why people should be watching us live on Twitch.tv slash POV <laughs> when we do these shows. Or if you're watching back on YouTube, podcast listeners you want to make sure to check this video out this week because kyle did something very creative because of course ant is off this week but kyle what's up yeah for you audio listeners basically i cropped anthony's head onto a cartoon of someone moving boxes and they have like look at those triceps those are some big triceps (laughs) no not the voice but yeah ant is not here today as much as we see a camera there or a camera shot of ant's face he's not here (laughs) Um, he is moving into his new house, so Ant, uh, we wish you nothing but luck this week. I know it's probably one of the busiest weeks you're ever going to have, but glad you're moving into your forever home finally. Um, but I'm doing good. I'm so hyped from last night. Literally, I have not stopped listening. I listened to it to about maybe, it's close to the 40s right now, um, of uh, of Keith Lee's new theme song. I absolutely love that theme song mikey ruckus did nothing but a good job oh i'm so hyped so hyped and listen we have a ton to talk about this week and probably one of the best AEW dynamites that they have done in the past three years so there's definitely a lot to get to but before we get to that if it's your first time listening welcome we do this show every thursday live at 7 p.m eastern on twitch.tv slash elite pov with replays available later on our youtube youtube.com slash Elite POV, or anywhere you guys get your podcasts. If you want to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Elite POV where you get great stuff such as Top Girl Talk. The third episode of Top Girl Talk is actually up on our YouTube channel right now because a few weeks after it goes live, we put it up on there because we try to want to get the show as big as possible because Jackie and Jamie do such an incredible job on that show and if you want to wear some of our great merchandise designed by our boy infinity hashtag pay the man 
That is over at ElitePOVMerch.com. And like we keep saying, we're going to go in. We're going to start to get rid of some stuff. So if you want to get some of your favorite designs, make sure you go get them because they might not be there for very, very long. But listen, we got to start this show off in no better way than talking about the big surprise this week that a lot of people predicted, even though Tony Khan threw us a curveball by, uh, you know, forgetting what his definition of forbidden door is, which we'll get to in the segment we talk about after this. But no better way to start the show than the beautiful debut of Limitless Keith Lee. Now, Kyle, you were talking about his theme song. So how did you feel to see Keith Lee walk through, not this forbidden door, but just walk through the door and become all elite? I think the biggest thing we can look at is the smile that Keith Lee had on his face. That man had the biggest smile I've ever seen on his face. And I don't know how long it was such an incredible way to do a debut for a guy like Keith Lee. And I know it was one of the obvious picks. It was like between him and Jeff Hardy. Um, but again, like you said, he, they kind of threw us a curveball first too, because that wasn't even the first thing we've seen. Literally right before that, we seen Jay White just randomly walk into a beatdown of Rapungi Vice and Adam Cole with the Bucks. So it was just it was a crazy way to 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 curveball that into the Keith Lee thing, which I think fit really nicely. He got an amazing, amazing pop. And like I said before, his theme song is so fire. Mikey Ruckus knocked it way out of the park. It was a grand slam hit with that theme song. It fits him so well. And what an impressive debut against Isaiah Cassidy. And, you know, rest in peace to Isaiah because that man <laughs> definitely took a beating in that match. <laughs> and and speaking of the theme, uh, we have Phoenix in the chat talking about it. But it was all over Twitter today. So people were asking Mikey Ruckus why Keith Lee isn't rapping on it. Because if you guys remember, in a lot of his themes, especially his NXT themes, Keith Lee is always rapping in it. Um, Mikey Ruckus tweeted about that they're going to eventually at some point do an updated version of this. Um, that the reason he isn't rapping on it is because when he was making this theme, Keith Lee was still on his honeymoon with me and him. So he didn't want to make him have to come in a day early just to record to get in the studio. So another way that AEW is amazing because other companies probably wouldn't have done that. They would have put getting everything ready for the debut over everything that you have going on in your life. Uh, especially if you listen to Jericho's podcast a few weeks ago with Jade Cargill. She gets into everything that she had to deal with with WWE. But, um, yeah, so if if you guys are missing Keith Lee rapping on it, I'm sure within a few weeks, maybe at a revolution, we'll see an updated version of it. But, Jackie, what did you think of the debut and the match to follow? Pro wrestling is at its best when it's creating moments like this. Obviously, we love to see those banger matches, um, but there's something about just – hearing the overwhelming volume of that pop that he got as soon as he walked out into the arena and seeing, you can see the joy on his face. And to me, that's like, that's priceless moments right there. So I'm really happy for him. It's like, that was the overwhelming feeling for me. It's just like, I'm just really happy for this guy because by all accounts, He's a good guy and he deserves to be in a place that is going to uh, value and appreciate him. I look forward to seeing where his career trajectory goes uh, going forward. As far as the match goes, yes, there was a RIP Isaiah Cassidy and an RIP uh, Mark Quinn too, because Mark Quinn did try it. Yeah. <laughs> he went for it and uh, mistakes were made. But yeah. 
Uh, I think Dax tweeted about it today where he's like, people need to stop sleeping on Isaiah Cassidy because man brought it 100%. So as much as it was a great moment for Keith Lee to debut, it was a solid showing for Isaiah Cassidy too. And I know you got that little bit of a a problem with private party, but. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, it it, it looks like, you know, it it looks like, that issue might be solved quicker than not, right? And and you know, before we get into that, but right. like the match was incredible. The two spots that everyone's talking about, the one that everyone's talking about, and I the one that I don't see enough people talking about. The one spot, of course, the match starts and Keith Lee just yeets Isaiah Cassidy <laughs> to the other side of the universe, right? Which brings back one of the best memes that <laughs> happened where it's like the dan 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 where it's like people flying through space and time which is hilarious that that brought that meme back for a little bit but that spot and then the other spot i wish people would talk about more so mark quinn does a front flip to the outside and keith lee catches him in a powerbomb position not like a straight up powerbomb position like he catches him by his legs and right it's (laughs) unreal to me and i get keith lee super strong and mark quinn isn't the biggest guy in the world but just the momentum of a body flipping in the air and you're catching him as he's coming down. Like, it's not like he fell. It wasn't like he caught him when he was at the highest point. Like he caught him on the way down, which takes even more strength. I would assume. Right. Sheer insanity. Right? It was just unbelievable to me. It was such a cool pop. And that was at like the end of the match, which was awesome. And it's just, they did such a great job of highlighting Keith Lee. I saw a lot of people had an issue with uh, JR's comments about, Oh, he reminds me of a young Mark Henry. And people were like, oh, don't you dare uh, compare Keith Lee's body shape to like a uh, a former Olympic lift, uh, lifter. And it's like, relax. All right. You know what he meant. All right. It's not, he w- when you compare people like that, it's not like he like younger Mark Henry, like 100 percent accurate in every fucking category. Like yeah. Everybody knows what he meant. So that was cool. But the they literally have the man, same moveset. They literally wrestle the yeah. exact same. <laughs> Except Keith Lee does moonsaults, which is yeah. like unfucking believable. And you like um, leapfrogs. <laughs> yeah. So Ascended in the chat is saying he doesn't know that much about Keith Lee. Let me give you some homework. Find every match of Keith Lee versus Donovan Dijak. Hit the matches on the indies. You want to go watch their match that was back in NXT. Those matches will show you everything you need to know about Keith Lee. Even his match, Keith Lee and Adam Cole in NXT for the title. Keith Lee has had some absolute bangers these last few years. And you were in for a treat. Yeah. Now, the thing I was mentioning before was the aftermath. We saw Matt Hardy walk out on Private Party. And he keeps saying he can't take this anymore. Uh, it's going to break him. And we all we all know pretty much it's pretty much confirmed at this point, right, that Jeff Hardy's coming to AEW in some capacity and that the Hardy boys are going to have one more run together. Uh, we know that they have bookings in March, I think, Jeff Hardy's no compete clause ends in the beginning of March. So maybe in another month, maybe at revolution, we'll see something. But I mean, I'm very excited that this HFO stuff is probably coming to an end. I thought it really didn't help anybody out, which sucks because I know Matt Hardy had a lot of faith behind it, but Kyle, how do you feel that that private party might be getting to do something else and maybe be getting their dream match of wrestling the Hardy soon? I think that's where they're going with this. I think for sure that, Matt Hardy leaving was the first, I guess, the first step into the destruction of HFO. Man, you could argue and say that the the sell the selling of the company to Andrade was the first step. I don't really count that because I don't think they're doing anything with that because I don't think Andrade is going to continue being 
this man that's controlling the HFO. It's kind of like now he's doing his own thing with Darby and and uh, uh, oh, there's someone else, was there not? The Bunning Blade. I don't know. There's there's someone else. Anyways, he's not doing anything with the HFO anymore. Mm-hmm. So Matt Hardy leaving, and then like you said, like he's on the verge of breaking. Obviously, we're gonna get when Jeff Hardy comes in. We're gonna get the Broken Brothers. That's sure to do something like that. I assume they could still be um, the Hardys. They were the Hardys before. Yeah, he could. I don't. He could go back to Damascus, but he'd probably go back into like a um, just the broken character. It's it's tough because I think they can do either or. I think they could do a broken tag gimmick, or they can go into the, the natural. Like they're just the Hardy Boys, right? They're the Hardy Boys that everyone knows about, but. Um, if the if he wants to go back to this Damascus character, which is we've said it before, it's a character that only gets only works when you have a crowd, and we saw that like they started that when Mahardy first came in when there was no crowd, it didn't really hit because there really wasn't mm-hmm. that fan reaction to it. So he transitioned into the big money Matt role that you can do without a crowd. Now the crowd's here again, and they've been chanting delete like crazy every single time he's out there. He can bring mm-hmm. that back, and it'll get over. Um, and good for Private Party. Private Party can now go out on their own. I know their dream match is to face the Hardys. That's definitely going to be happening. And then after that, Private Party, I mean, they're both really, really young. So they have light years ahead of him, uh, ahead of them to be a big tag team down the line or even become tag team champions. So um, Private Party, we can't just – I don't think they're, they're going to be a team that are going to be gone anytime soon. They're not going to be a team that they let the contracts die. Like we know a lot of the town that you don't even see on TV anymore that – Surely their contract is, is are about to disappear because Tony Khan has said re- even recently that with all these people coming in, I can't keep everybody. So it's a shame. It's just, you know, it's also a good thing you see on the other side that he's not going to be the one to fire people for no reason and not pay them, right? So And that's another thing, too, that we need to remember is, like, these aren't – because I saw somebody tweet, like, oh, yeah, I better keep the same energy. Uh, you know, when they when they start to fire people and these aren't firing, it's not firing anybody. He's purposely said in interviews, Tony Khan has said in interviews that he's allowing them to kind of run out naturally because it's not that he doesn't want to continue using them, that he wants to bring people back to work at a, on a different level or, or as a one off basis. Right. And it's just like it's. Listen. Obviously, we want them to keep pretty much everybody, right? Especially when it comes to the AEW OGs who've been there from day one. But it's like if you're going to bring in the Keith Lees, the Adam Coles, you know, uh, whatever it's looking like with Jay White in New Japan, like if you're, it's only going to keep going, right? Mm -hmm. Especially Mm -hmm. at the rate that WWE is releasing people. And I'm sure after WrestleMania, there'll be even more. So it's like you have to kind of, you have to trim the roster. There's way too many people on the roster as is. And it's like, Everyone had a chance to make it and and to get people behind them. And you look at someone like a Brian Cage who just hasn't connected with the fans. So why would they keep Brian Cage on and not sign Keith Lee? Like think, you're always going to sign the best talent going forward. It doesn't yeah. mean that Brian Cage can't come back or like a Joey Janela is probably going to end up getting released. Right. With the stuff that he's been saying on Twitter about how like they just don't call to use him. So it's like it sucks. But and the big maybe in the future something would change. Also the big, big, very big differences between. For comparing companies here, they're allowing the talent also to go and book themselves in indie dates and allowing them to still work 
while mm-hmm. still getting yeah, paid from AEW. Difference. So not only they're getting their AEW contract, they're getting paid from whatever promotion they go and wrestle for. So it's not like they're telling them to sit at home and we're going to pay you to sit at home and do nothing, and then you have to wait another 90 days to compete mm-hmm. again. They're free to do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. So that's the big difference here. So when people come, that's just a dumb comparison when people want to mm-hmm. start bringing that crap up. But anyways, um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. You know what? I can't wait for the Hardys to go on their last run before they retire because Matt Hardy said before, Jeff's even said it before, like when they come back together, this is their last run. It's going to be their very mm-hmm. last run in the company. I don't know if they're going to become tag team champions. They might get a shot. I can't see them actually holding the titles, but I think they're going to have a pretty good run in the end. Yeah, and speaking of just another thing to look forward to, we can transition right over to the Jay White stuff. So we get this backstage segment with the Elite, right? We get Cole and the Young Bucks, and, and they're talking about uh, we're going to start taking things more serious and all this stuff. Uh, we see Rapungi Vice there. Um, this leads to them attacking them, and then we see Jay White walk into the frame, which I felt like the world stopped for a second. Um, I know that Jay White right now currently – with his version of the Bullet Club, is in Impact with its Jay White, G.O.D., and Chris Bay. So I would have never guessed that with AEW not really working with Impact right now at the time, that we would see Jay White here. I know a lot of people wanted to see him here, um, have been, you know, thinking he was going to debut for the last few months here, especially when they started bringing in a lot of the New Japan guys like Kenta and Suzuki and all them. So it's really cool that we get this here. Now, what does this mean going forward? There's a lot of implications with the history of the Bullet Club with Kenny and Jay White and Adam Cole and Kenny and all this stuff. But, Jackie, how do you feel about all this stuff? I know you don't know that much about Jay White, but, of course, you were excited just like all of us last night. Yeah, I'm excited for the possibility of something different. And it does lend itself to the story. Um, Somebody had pointed out the fact that Adam Cole, you know, bringing in Jay White is another kind of dig at Kenny Omega because – like you know that they have a storied history where jay white and kenny omega don't have they have some bad blood there so it's like it's planting some more seeds for hopefully down the line when kenny returns happy and healthy um like you said i'm not a big new japan person so a lot of these people that are coming in through the uh quote forbidden door are new faces to me I have knowledge of, you know, the fact that everybody was hyped as shit. So, of course, it gets my attention going and I want to learn more and I want to see, you know, how this plays out, too. Um, But, yeah, I think anything at this point that's going to get eyes on the product and it's going to get people talking and maybe some crossover from people that are New Japan fans that didn't necessarily want to jump into AEW for whatever reason. Now you're going to get a lot more um, cross promotion. So. I'm I'm here for it. And the, the cool thing is to remember is even if you're like Jackie and, and you don't really know the backstory, all you need to really know is like all these guys were in the Bullet Club at some point, some together, some not. And I think it's really cool that we all understand that AEW is built on the foundation of the Bullet Club, on the elite, on BTE, all these things that all lead back to Bullet Club in New Japan. So if they can continue the story with bringing in Bullet Club members, from New Japan. If you guys don't know, Jay White is the leader of the Bullet Club right now in New Japan. So it's like, this would be really cool. And and also, we're bringing Jay White back. You can kind of further push this Adam Cole-Kenny story until Kenny is really ready to come back because now all the focus is going to be on, oh, what's, what is Jay White doing here mean, right? And you can kind of 
take a little longer to to, to let these storylines kind of fit in. But Kyle, you went crazy, just like me. So how did it feel seeing the switch played on TV last night? Man, <laughs> no one but the people here know what happened. I we were all just kind of listening to the promo. I really didn't think anything of it. And then I I kind of was ahead of everybody else. So I had like a very big gasp to the point where it sounded <laughs> like I, I just choked and died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all feels like, oh, well, something's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, for to- people listening, it was like this. It was like, we're listening and it's just quiet. And then you hear, <gasps> and then he goes, and then you see his, his icon on discord go muted, like his mic. And then I was like, oh, well, <laughs> something's about to, and I even with him going doing that I still didn't expect Jay White yeah yeah because Kyle's always at least like 60 seconds ahead of Phil and mm-hmm. I so Phil yeah. and I are always in sync and we're always getting things like on spoiler alerts yeah 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 I, I'll take blame for that but man <laughs> that was just it was incredible like I love the whole thing and they're still feeding we're punky vice they're including more new japan stuff so which is great because i ultimately think and i think everybody knows that eventually we're going to get a new japan aw super show eventually that's mm-hmm. that's the end goal is to have a g1 supercard like event where it's going to feature aw and new japan talent because now that aw's got this big giant prospect pool how can new japan not say yes to something like that they could sell out an msg like they did the last g1 supercard or something like that so um I'm excited about this. It was awesome to see Jay White. The man is literally now the king of the Forbidden Door. The man is literally working right now in between three companies companies a week. He's appearing on New Japan Strong. He's appearing on Impact. And I know Impact, they tape weeks ahead. but And now he's appearing on Dynamite at the same time. Like This man is literally the king of the Forbidden Door. So I'm excited to see what they do. Um, I don't think a lot of people were wondering. I don't think he is all elite. I think he's still going to be contractly contractly obligated to stay in new japan i believe he's still their never open weight champion i could be wrong if he's lost that i don't remember um but yeah and if anyone needs to know the history with the, the bullet club and anything like that it's really really simple actually um new japan's youtube channel has a six part i believe or eight i don't know it's like, i think it's six part documentary it's like 13 to 14 minutes long maybe 15 minutes long each episode it, it's called the recount and it's the history of the Bullet Club. It'll literally give you a dissection of what exactly happened, how the Bullet Club started, how it, it, it got Gallows and Anderson in it, how it got Finn Balor in it when she was Prince Devitt at the time, how AJ Styles got into it, how Kenny and the Bucks got into it. It'll break down mm-hmm. everything you need to know so that you are caught up with what's going on right now. Um, you can even do just, you can just, I had someone actually tweet me today um, that they, they had nothing to do with the Bullet Club. I'm like, dude, just go to YouTube and, and research it. He spent, half the day today looking up videos on youtube and he's all caught up like he he even like went into like the whole like <laughs> yeah and just know that there's so because new japan is obviously in japan and then they have they do a lot of stuff where they do it in you know new japan usa now like for example a, a little thing that you would see in those videos like adam cole was in the u.s version of bullet club the bullet club that was in ring of honor that was like cody adam cole hangman like that's the version that adam cole was in so it's like there's all these layers from multiple companies and multiple storylines, which I love that we say this all the time, but AW exists in the pro wrestling world. So if you do something in another company, it's not only talked about here, but it's highlighted here. So if, if you were a champion in NWA, they will say that if you were a mo- like when Keith Lee came out, they were like, he was a multiple time world champion in multiple perform uh, like whatever companies. So it's like, that's really cool that they give this and, 
it the possibilities are endless what they could do with this whole Jay White in the Bullet Club thing. I know a lot of people, people in the chat are talking about how they would love to see the Bullet Club that's an impact right now, right? With with uh um with G-O-D and it maybe hey, it'd be cool to see Chris Bay and AEW, right? Maybe they open up that door between impact and AEW and they do a, uh, a big show with the three of them, right? right? That way the women can get involved. Because I know New Japan doesn't have any women wrestlers. I know recently they've been doing a lot of stuff with Stardom. Like Stardom was on the last Wrestle Kingdom, I think, for like the first time ever. So it's like there's opportunities with that. But I don't know. It, it's just a very exciting time what this can mean for the future of this the rest of the year of AEW, and really. Also, JY coming in also plays factor, like you guys said before, like into the – Kenny Omega and Adam Cole storyline. That's it, clearly that's where they're going with this. Um, you saw the Bucks were like, "Hey, you know, it's cool that you know the Jay White's here, but like, you know, what you know, let us know next time that you're going to bring in someone like that because we know about the history between him and Kenny, and we're still cool with Kenny who's out on injury right now. So like, you're still sense, you're still seeing this like sort of deception between the Bucks and Cole. So. I don't know. I, I recently saw a little bit of an update on Kenny today. There was talks of having him beaten back by double or nothing, but right now I guess those talks have been changed and it's still up mm. in the air now. So he might require a little bit more time. Um, so I don't know. I I want to say, because now we saw what happened at the end of the show with Adam Cole, mm-hmm. and it looks like at Revolution – it's going to be Hangman Page versus Adam Cole, which is probably going to be one of the matches of the year. I mean, I can't. It's oh, going, I have man. to say one of the matches of the year so because exciting. we still have the rest of 2022 to go. So it'll probably be a leading candidate. That's got to be a really, really good match. Um, so I want to say that Adam Cole is going to become the world champion at Revolution. I don't think so. I don't think because so. Because you, you really don't? Mm-mm. I don't think so. I think that... You know, and and we can just transition over to this next match. We'll talk about the Adam Cole stuff first, but it's like, I think, especially basing how they started the show, that opening segment with MJF, I think MJF is next as the world champion. And I think that this Adam Cole thing is going to be like, he's going against Hangman, something happens, he loses, and it it causes like a ripple effect, a ripple effect. Maybe the Bucks screw him. Maybe the yeah, Bucks so are I, I think I don't know if I if I mentioned this just to you guys, if I mentioned this on the show, or if this is just a conversation me and Carrie have had. But it's like I think the storyline's gonna be the Bucks are gonna come out with Adam Cole and they're gonna redo the whole thing where when Kenny beat Hangman the first time, where they're looking and the Bucks helped Kenny beat Hangman, which mm-hmm. of course, as everybody knows, they retold that story with the Bucks not getting involved when Hangman won. So I think they're gonna do that. And the Bucks are not going to help Adam Cole. And that's what's going to help Hangman win. So it's going to create this like tension between them. And then we'll still get the story of like Undisputed Era versus the Elite or versus the Super Click and why this Jay White stuff is going on. And I think that's an easy way to get Cole to lose. And then I think MJF wins that belt at Revolution. And we'll get into that after we talk about this. But I definitely want to talk about that Hangman Archer match because. And it's funny, too, because, like, you know, we we shit on Lance Archer all the time on the show. Like, the dude's a great wrestler, but he's, like, the biggest loser they have. Like, oh, hey, we need a main eventer to have a great match, but win. So, all right, cool. Uh, throw Lance Archer in there. We can just... The guy's got as all much charisma matches. as a bucket of sand. Yeah. But he's such oh, a damn. fantastic wrestler, though, right? <laughs> so, it's like... And this match didn't disappoint. And I went in with low expectations, but this match was 
absolutely insane. I saw somebody on Twitter posting that like Hangman has bled <laughs> in every title match he's had so far. I the dude is just night. getting a whooping, right? Uh, yeah, Jackie said it he tweeted last night. That's he tweeted. He's like, I hate bleeding every month. Which, Jackie, <laughs> as soon as I saw that tweet, I was like, bro, women are going to have a field day with this. And the fucking he responses did that on purpose. were top. Of course he did. But the responses were top notch. All the women like, same. Yeah. Like, it was just so. <laughs> right there oh, with yeah. you, dude. <laughs> but we'll start right there. So, Jackie, what did you think of the match? All the crazy spots. The That fucking. The. What's he called this finisher? The buckshot lariat. The, the buckshot, buckshot lariat, lariat, which was like, oh my god, one of the best buckshot lariats he's ever did. But Jackie, how did what did you think of this main event? Yeah, I think we all had to eat our words a little bit on this one because none of us had high hopes for this match going into it. And it's not that we thought it was going to be a bad match necessarily, but it's just when it's so clear to us that Archer is not taking the title off of Hangman, it kind of like sucks a little bit of the appeal out of it. So I think where they made up for that was in just going into it and freaking demolishing each other. Hangman, like we said, has not had a title defense where he has not been gushing blood all over the damn place. And it speaks to like him as even though he's this ultra baby face champion, it's like, no, he's doing that cowboy shit. And we love to see it. Uh, the blackout on the steel steps. <sighs> Oh man. I felt Cringe. that in oh. my soul. Oh. I was like, oh my God, that had to be freaking painful as hell. The buckshot lariat off of the ref. Because, you know, freaking my favorite person in the whole wide world, Dan Lambert, had to come out, <laughs> come out and take completely remove the top rope from the equation to, um, to try to disable Hangman from being able to hit his finisher. Um, but all in all, the match was crazy it served its purpose i think it got a very lukewarm reaction in the beginning from the audience at least that's how it was perceived sound yeah, the crowd the crowd felt dead right when we were it watching felt very were dead in the beginning but they definitely seemingly won that crowd over and by the midway point people were sucked in and it it took it over the edge the way that it was supposed to we knew archer wasn't gonna win but the match was overall a lot more impressive than I would have given it credit for. Oh, yeah. So we got Fangy in the chat. And I want to start. I want you to talk about this, Kyle. <laughs> Why me? Oh. You, you you bugged out when this happened. And it was so funny. Because yet again, Kyle's like 10 seconds ahead of us. So he was like, oh, my God. Not in this COVID world. And then so 10 <laughs> seconds later, we see it. But it was like, so, of course, what we're talking about. And shout out to Fangy for bringing it up. So Lance Archer does this spot. Where it's it's obviously he's not really doing it, but he's like stabbing Adam Cole, an Adam Cole, uh, Hangman with the fork, the other Adam in in the wound, yeah, the other Adam, right <laughs> in the wound with blood on the fork. He takes it, puts it in his mouth, and cleans it off the Ugh. fork. Which we were all like, oh my god! But Kyle reacted the best. So Kyle, how did you feel not only about the match but this spot in particular? Well, I think I said it less like Jr. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I went, oh, that bot caught in this COVID era. He eating a fork. No, I was uh, I was just like, oh. In this, At least you didn't say it like During this COVID, COVID, I don't think that's safe. <laughs> but, yeah, like, just like him, like, and it, it, he, he made, I, I'll give Lance Archer credit here. I tell, I say, like, I always say, like, he's a charisma vacuum, but, like, the way he, like, eats the fork and, like, makes it seem like he's eating like a chunk of his skin was fantastic uh, and it was really brought a lot of it brought a lot of elements to what you would think a texas death match would be right like 
Mm-hmm. Any company could go out there and name a match. Oh, this is going to be a Montana death match. It's like, what does that actually mean? So, oh, you mean <laughs> the way WWE used to be like, we're having a Detroit oh, showdown. Like, every, what does that mean? Every live match. event. Every live event. Because I remember, because I used to go to them all the time around here. So I used to go to the one in Buffalo and then the ones here in the city called Hamilton. So every single time, didn't matter what live event, at what time of the year, every main event was the city name, enter city name, street fight. That was every main event. So, oh, stick, and Justin Roberts was the, was the announcer, right? He was like, stick around, folks. We have the Hamilton street fight coming up next between Dolph Ziggler and Sin Cara. And it's like, oh, yeah. Can't wait. I paid some good money to see this shit. <laughs> just, anyways, um, yeah, the, this Texas death match was... It was good. I liked it. And I liked the little callback from him doing the buckshot. Larry, uh, shouts to my girl, Carrie, for mentioning this on Twitter. Or our girl, Carrie. I said my girl anyways. Um, uh, it's It was an homage because he did the same thing to Kenny, I believe. Um, oh, did he do it over a ref or did he do it over Kenny? He did it over, I think, a wrestler. One of the wrestlers. Yeah. I, no, am I wrong? I can't remember. She posted the picture, and there's like a side by side. Um, Let's see if I can find the picture. Okay, so he's going to talk about. Perry. Any, anyways, it was a perfect homage in doing that. It was so cool to do that. And then they go through both tables. It was nuts. It was. It was, and they. I mean, they, they went nuts. And I'm sitting there going like, and I think Phil mentioned it while we were watching. It's like they're taking apart the ring and everything. It's like, man, these people have to set up Rampage right after this. And then yeah. our and Ant was there live. He said literally it took like twenty five minutes. minutes. Twenty five minutes. minutes to set everything up. To All right, so up. I found the tweet. Okay. I found the tweet. So it was Hangman flipped over Kenny in the stadium stampede. Okay. When they were oh, going against the inner circle. Okay. Yes. So oh yeah, yeah so that, that was it. it yeah, it was when they're in the yeah. bar scene, like where yeah. where, Ken, where Kenny drank a glass of milk and Hangman drank like a beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, yeah, dude, that's rough, right? Twenty five minutes. To start the next show. And and for people, for reference, for people who haven't been there for the Rampage tapings, it takes about eight minutes. Like, the show ends, Tony Khan comes out, uh, Acclaimed come out, they mess with him. (laughs) (laughs) It's the greatest, it's the most hype you'll ever be watching a wrestling show because Tony Khan is just a man and so passionate. And then, like, ten minutes later, the show starts. So, like, the fact that Ant and everybody in Atlantic City had to sit there for 25 minutes. I mean, mind you, it it's after ten. And then Rampage itself is an hour. So like, get home pretty late. Yeah, in dangerous yeah, ass Atlantic City too, which is like <laughs> I've never been there, so I have no idea. It Atlantic City is the most beautiful family resort up until like five o'clock, <laughs> and then the crackheads come out, okay. and then when that nighttime hits, literally, I went to Atlantic City once. Little side story, and I had to take, obviously. Uh, you park your car once you leave it there that's it because parking is all over the place it's a pain in the ass just like in the city right so we took a cab this is like before uber was a thing i took a cab and i remember the the people telling them do not walk down uh, any streets in atlantic city after like off the broad off the the main strip or whatever like you call the cab from the hotel to wherever you're going you walk in because i guess there's streets in atlantic city and and i wish aunt was here because obviously that's like his his place right like he's there all the time because of his job and stuff but like uh i made ant sound like a pimp <laughs> no right his job is located one of, it was located in Atlantic city but like it's the cops don't even go down certain roads at night oh, wow. so like 
yeah, Atlantic City can get pretty rough in So, night. Jackie, who is Franny Bebop 86? That is my sister-in-law okay. in the chat. And she lived in Atlantic City for years. So that's why I'm like, I hope she's still in the I don't, chat. I don't think I've the seen her. I, I don't think I've been here when she's been in the chat. So I think I'm just a little confused. I'm like, oh, she used Franny to be Bebop? Galaxy Gal okay. before. Oh, she changed to Franny Bebop. Yep. Franny Bebop. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, but yeah. I liked it. I liked the match. It was great. Hope Hangman doesn't have to bleed anymore. I mean, I said it even through the match. I was like, does this man have to defend his title in three weeks? And you know, they're like trying to kill him before the pay-per-view in a couple of weeks. Like, man, like what if he got an injury? The world title wouldn't be defended at the pay-per-view. And the thing that to remember, I saw people on Twitter complaining about this too. Like, Oh, we don't, we don't see a lot of hangman, but like that's done on purpose. He's the world champion. When hangman deal, it's the main event. It's, must see tv or it's a pay-per-view so it's like think about every time we've seen hangman since he won the belt at full gear it's been against danielson it's it's been in storylines building up his match with danielson and then it's been storyline stuff for lance archer and now this main event and now most likely adam cole moving forward so it's like every time hangman's on screen it is it is used to the best of its ability and also i think a few weeks ago i saw somebody tweet this too but it's also covid time Right. If you don't want, God forbid, knock on wood, your world champion to get COVID. Right. So if he can be there as least amount as possible, also because not only just the world champion thing, he had a kid six months ago. So it's like, let's try to keep him as safe as possible and let him really get the most out of his title run. And at which home, I think is the cool. most as possible with his kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's got to it's got to feel meaningful when he's out there. And I think, you know, people have that recency bias. Like if you look back at Kenny Omega's run, was Kenny Omega like defending every every week? Was he, you know, having these matches all the time? No, it's got you got to build storylines. You have to make the title defenses feel important. So I think Hangman is doing pretty damn well for himself and his title reign so far. Yeah. And um, I want to talk about. Well, actually, no, before we get into that. So I promised something to our listeners. Okay. Oh, here we go. Yeah. So here we go, right? I hope I can deliver again. So this is the second installment of Class Time with Philium. Now, for everybody listening, okay, this is what I was talking about weeks ago when I brought it up, right? Weeks ago. I should have had the tweet ready from Tony Khan, but it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll, I'll summarize, right? So if you guys remember, on the last installment, oh, Adam Cole is too small. He's a lower mid-carder. He lost to Orange Cassidy. He's ruined. They're ruining him here. He should have stayed in WWE. Uh, uh, it's just so stupid. They're, what are they doing with him? It, it, he's undefeated, but it doesn't matter. Adam Cole, literally nothing changed. Adam Cole didn't come out mysteriously all of a sudden looking like Finn Balor, shredded. He didn't come out looking like Wardlow. He didn't do anything different. All he did was come out and hold that belt and and, and, and just give us a thought. Oh, he's probably going to fight Hangman for the belt of revolution. All of a sudden, Adam Cole's great again. Oh, pff, here we go. Told you. Told you. I'm Adam Cole. Boom, baby. I'm the biggest fan. Yeah, I told you. This is my problem with wrestling Twitter. This is the shit you guys need to understand. It's all a fucking wave. We're, so this week, we like Adam Cole. This week, we like his booking, even though... And, and where I'm going to summarize it is, <laughs> Kyle, this is hilarious. Yet again, I see everything on a delay on the Twitch stream. But it's like, this is my problem. Tony Khan comes out and tweets 
that Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy was one of the most profitable things that AEW has done as a company, right? You could hate Orange Cassidy. You could not want Orange Cassidy in the main event. But at the end of the day, just like you guys say on Twitter, it is a business. We're here to make money, right? As much as I'm against making decisions based on financial outcomes or making money, right? I'm using your own logic against you. This is about making money. Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy made AEW a lot of fucking money because whether you like Orange Cassidy or not, Orange Cassidy generates a ton of fucking money for the company. And this feud was like a little sidestep for Adam Cole to make him realize that he needs to take things more serious. He comes out, he cuts a promo. I'm going to take things more serious. He ends the show holding the belt. I'm going after it. This is why you have to be patient. This is why you have to fucking be patient and don't go crazy when your favorites come over to this company and they're not being used right way. Same thing with Miro, right? Miro was the best man. A lot of people didn't like it. And then look at Miro became God's favorite champion. Everybody fell in love with him. The redeemer, right? Everybody fell in love with him. It's the same with everybody. You have to stop jumping the gun. You have to stop listening to wrestling Twitter bitch and moan about stupid shit that they really have no right to talk about because it's it's, it's people who don't even watch AEW, who are complaining about this the most, who are starting getting the ball rolling, who are starting the fucking wave, right? Like like they're in a fucking pool. They're doing a whirlpool. They're the ones spinning in a fucking <laughs> circle while we're standing in the middle. Like, bro, I'm just trying to enjoy myself, right? I'm too old for this shit. Stop listening to wrestling Twitter. That's one. Two, I saw another thing. Besides Adam Cole, people were like, oh, I can't wait to Keith Lee's on fucking Dark and Elevation. Dark and Elevation is not a demotion. You dumb fucks. That's not how this company works. Dark and Elevation is used to get more eyes on the product because we're getting a bunch of views on YouTube, a social media platform that even our grandparents know how to use at this point. It's so ingrained in, in, in just modern society. Everybody knows what YouTube is. So what better way to get people in, you know, to watch these shows? Maybe people don't have cable, right? Maybe people are watching a, a Dynamite and Rampage through illegal streams that they find on websites. I know a lot of people who do that, especially people in the UK, before the whole Fight TV thing happened. So it's like Dark and Elevation is their way to get to know these wrestlers. Plus, it's like a holding point for people like like a Chris Statlander. What is Chris Statlander doing right now? Watch Dark and Elevation, mm-hmm. right? Ty Conti still having matches. Anna Jay having matches on Dark and Elevation. And then, boom, all of a sudden, they're in a title match at a pay-per-view because they're building them up. They, they're they giving them win streaks and stuff like that. So Keith Lee will eventually be on Dark and Elevation because it is just what everybody goes through. John Moxley was on Dark as the world champion having matches. Like, it is not a demotion. It is just something – it's extra content. You don't have to watch it. You don't even have to pay attention to it. I think you should. We all here think you should because you missed out some really great things, and it's canon to what's going on on TV. But it's like, stop with the bullshit. Incredible show last night, and you go on Twitter, and you see the fucking morons complaining about stuff that – who cares? It's ridiculous. I'm done talking about it. That graphic is great, Kyle. <laughs> and you, you said it right. And then like what Isaac said in the chat, too, Elevation is also in Dark are also used for upcoming talent or talent that are pretty young and new in AEW and have never been on a TV before used to get used to the camera because they use the same TV cameras as they do on Dynamite and Rampage on Dark and Elevation. It's just put on YouTube instead. So it, it's it's a lot of practice for that. And, you know, I'd rather see a John Moxley 
take on some young up and coming talent, have him crush him on a darker elevation rather than a dynamite. Because a dynamite, that's where, dynamites and rampage are used for storylines and stuff that's going to make sense. You're not going to have John Moxley face Mike Quest on <laughs> dark and elevation. You're going to have him face, or sorry, on, on rampage and and, and you dynamite. You're going to have him face him on dark and elevation where that guy can face a guy like Mox and Mox can go and just, you know, build some momentum, just wrestle a guy that's probably wouldn't wrestle John Moxley on a rampage or dynamite right away. So the criticism, the dark and elevation, I think regardless of what AEW does, <laughs> they're going to get criticism no matter what. People are going to find a way to hate and shit on anything AEW does. I just like, meh. I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry that this it ruins your day. I hope you find peace one day. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to enjoy it because you shitting on it is not going to affect me from enjoying that mm-hmm. product. So. And also, so Phoenix in the chat is saying, no disrespect to Dark and Elevation, but Keith Lee is better than that. He should be on TV at least. You got to listen to what I was just saying. No one's better than Dark. Kenny Omega, as the world champion, wrestled Alan Angels on Dark. The fact if Kenny you- Omega is wrestling on Dark... And Cody Rhodes is wrestling on Dark. I mean, he hasn't in a while, especially as Cody well, he Rhodes. Does. He did. He's Fuego too, though. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> you, you gotta you gotta understand that like Dark is just another outlet to see these wrestlers. Britt Baker's uh, that sh- talk show that she used to do started on Dark. That's where you start things out. That's where you have some of these just fun matches. Like instead of having squash matches on Dynamite and stuff like that. It's going to be over there. Keith Lee will eventually be there, right? As of right now, he probably won't be because they're building up to Revolution. But eventually, he will be. I mean, Sammy was on there. Now, Sammy's TNT champion. Same thing with Miro. Brody Lee was on there. Like, so many people were on Dark, and it's, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Just 100%. saying. Oh, and, and the fatheads were all busted open. So, there's okay, a thing. So. Um, There's a thing that goes on where people bring busted open fatheads to, like, the, the Tri-State area shows. And there's a running joke that... um. Because, like, on the show, obviously, like, Bully Ray is the bad guy and Dave LaGreca is the good guy. So there's, like, a running joke where, like, actually Bully's the good guy and Dave LaGreca is the bad guy. It's, it's a whole thing that they have going on over there. But that's usually when they're in the tri-state area, they bring those busted open fatheads. So I think it's a perfect time to go to picture in picture and we can talk about the women finally. So I think we're going to put the picture in picture screen up and then go talk about the women. Because I think it's a perfect <laughs> time to talk about the women while we're in picture in picture. So you guys will get some ads played. Um <laughs> You might not hear us, though. You might hear the ads over. Listen, to, ev- to everybody who doesn't understand what's going on, know that at All Out, finally, in the same space as Kyle, Jackie's just going to stall and just fucking punch him in his mouth. <laughs> like, this shit is building up. You want to talk about long-term storytelling. Yeah, this is like the feud of the century right here. Kyle yeah. just loves are we, to dig at me. Are we yeah. all bringing our mics and having, like, a live podcast together at All Out? Yeah, how we're yeah. doing yeah okay yeah and in, in, in one of the, our hotel rooms yeah that's gonna be a pro- that's gonna be that's gonna be show my real producing skills right there no yeah <laughs> to producing it's a not podcast as hard as you think. we've go now nah, we've it's easy we've done it before okay. we, we we did it at SummerSlam and we did it at, at, at all in so it's it's just you just gotta it has a mixer we just gotta plug our mic into the mixer okay. but um so i mean we'll, we'll jump ahead to the Brad. next thing and then we'll talk about um the women's segment so we get Serena Deeb's, what was it called? The five-minute challenge? What was the five exact Five-minute rookie challenge. Yeah, so this is pretty cool because, I mean, for the first time ever in Dynamite, 
we saw two female matches, right? I understand that the Serena thing was only five, was less than five minutes, but like, it's still really cool. It's another storyline women can be in that doesn't involve the title, which I, I absolutely love, right? Because now it's like, there's two titles. So you would, you would think that AEW would be like, hey, we're giving you two women feuds. They're both going for the titles. But with the Serena stuff, it's a nice little side story. And she's working with a lot of the younger women with it being a rookie challenge, which potentially is going to lead, I think, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Jackie. Do you think this segment leads into a debut down the line? Maybe the last person to answer this challenge is a Ember Moon or a Tony Storm or a, a, a Nixon or Tegan Knox. People would know her as something like that. Could be. It would be a little odd in a way because, you know, would that be a real rookie challenge? Yeah. Not necessarily. But if you want to play around and have a little bit of fun, yeah, somebody could come in and say, like, I'm a debuting star. Technically, I'm a rookie to AEW, but not a rookie to the game entirely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole thing now with Serena Deeb coming out, being this monster heel, arrogant as hell. Phil loves to joke and say, if I was a pro wrestler, I would be yes. Serena Deeb. And I and think, that is, miss, mixed I think that is like the highest freaking compliment mm-hmm. possible. I love what Serena Deeb is doing. She is every bit the arrogant heel, but she has the chops to back it up. So she's not the chicken shit heel where she's going out there and she's talking all this trash. And then all of a sudden she goes out in the ring and she's running from her opponents. She's destroying people. She's mauling people. Sorry, Katie Arquette. That was like, what one minute of, mm-hmm. of a match uh but i'm interested to see like i i guess i completely misunderstood this i don't know why i thought it was like you have to go the full five minutes and last in the ring with her which i'm not sure thinking back in hindsight what sense that would make it's just yeah. like her kicking somebody's ass for five minutes and then <laughs> eating a pin um but i would love to see as this continues to develop the matches get progressively longer and longer. Give people those hope spots where you're like, ooh, it looks like they might to pull it out. And then she just, once again, right before the clock runs out, just freaking bulldozes her way through the rookie roster until, like you said, it could be an interesting element to say, like, you know, somebody debuting as a quote-unquote rookie to the company and um, Serena getting her just dues as a result. Well, they could also do something where it's like you do a couple of weeks of this and then maybe at like revolution or something, she's like, or the the dynamite after revolution, she's like, all right, like I've beaten all the rookies that they have to give me. Now it's open to anybody. And then we get it, you know, something, something a little, I mean, way coming, more creative, creative yeah, than her, that. But. Her coming out and saying like, all right, I'm bored. Give me something like, you know, give me a real challenge. Yeah, yeah. And then, mm-hmm. you know, somebody Music hits, out. Tony Storm walks out. Oh, my man. My head explodes. Oh, and to anybody awesome. who lives close enough to albany new york tony storm and juice robinson are doing a meet and greet for heroes hideout up in albany in i think the beginning of august which i will definitely be at because i've been trying to meet tony storm since before she was in wwe when she was progress women's champion so i'm very excited about that um now kyle what'd you think of the whole serena d segment i like this Uh, i think it's something cool to do now that you know Sheeta is back in japan doing a couple of things so Obviously, they can't continue that feud. It's something they can pick up and and start back down the line because their feud together was amazing. Um, I I like. I think they can do two two ways here. I think they can do the way where she does go through a lot of rookies and eventually goes, "Hey, like I'm I'm done going through these rookies. I need a real challenge. Bring me anybody for five minutes. I can last." And you know, she's got that heel aspect to her that she can call out and and do something cool with a promo like that. 
Um, so I think they could do it that way and they can debut like an Athena, AKA Ember Moon or a Tony Storm or somebody. Um, or they can go into another direction. Like I saw someone mention Brooke Havoc in the chat. Like what if Brooke Havoc's fine? Uh, they're, they're gearing up They're They're kind of building this up until Brooke's ready, ready to go. Brooke Havoc comes back. She's technically still a rookie because she got injured in like her, like her first or second match. And she's the one that ends up beating and shocking the world and beating Serena Deeb. And they start a program with her. I mean, that'd be a good way to transition her back into AEW is mm-hmm. to have a feud with Serena Deeb, who's one of the best women's wrestlers out there today. So um, I think that's one thing they could do as well. So I'm fine with either one that they want to do. Um, so who knows? Who knows? I'm, I'm also they're saying in the chat maybe Abaddon no nope. because she's technically been new. I know Kyle <laughs> wouldn't like that. No, nah, she can. She, <laughs> she can stay, stay away. She can stay away. In the or what if nightmare? Cage, and you talking about that? You just made me think of. So this started with Serena's match with Sky Blue. Maybe this is a way to get Sky Blue over, and she she answers the challenge at the end because technically she's still a rookie. She's not under contract yet, so it's like and and Sky Blue is extremely popular. Especially when they're in the Chicago area, people go nuts for her, and she's like beloved by AEW fans. So maybe this leads to Sky Blue getting a contract because of this, which I'm all for because we love Sky Blue here. I think they're all going to get one. I think Sky Blue is going to get one. They're going to get Athena. I think Thunder Rose has got a lot of pull with her because that's Athena's first match back into wrestling, is it not? Is the, that Warriors of Wrestling show, and she's facing Thunder Rose, and they're building that. They've been cutting promos mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, I think Athena's coming in here. I think Thunder or Thunder Rosa. Tony Storm's coming in here. Their women's division is going to get better and better. I'm excited mm-hmm. with the free agents that are out there. I think Tony Khan's going to do whatever it takes to scoop them up right now. Um, it's a shame because someone mentioned Roxy in the chat. I really wish that she would have come here. Yeah, but she's, but she's uh, going to WWE. Full-fledged stuff, WWE but... wants to go there, so that's fine with mm-hmm. her. Um, no, Maybe I do not one love day with Abaddon, her. Isaac. I do not <laughs> love Abaddon. It's false information. <laughs> but uh, yes, Serena Deeb, I love this whole thing that they're doing. I, I absolutely love it. And hey, Again, AW showing more and more. They're listening to the fans. We're getting more than one woman's match on the show, and we're getting more than one woman's segment on the show because yep. we also got Jade and AQA, so we might as well transition to that. Mm-hmm. What a match that was, right? And for people, and, and I, I didn't even realize this. So AQA was signed to NXT. If you guys are in the chat, watch NXT or listening, watch NXT at the time. Uh, AQA, I believe, is the girl who beat Tony Storm randomly on that one episode of NXT. And there was a lot of like praise for her. She's like this really good high flyer, um, very agile in the ring, as we saw. Uh, I don't know what's going on. No, on don't screen. worry about it. Nothing Put me happens. back in the classroom. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so uh, AQA fights Jade. AQA is a student from Booker T's school, which I thought was really funny that they mentioned Booker T on TV. Kyle brought it up because Booker T always shits on AEW. Uh, but I thought it was a fantastic match. AQA is really good, and I hope they sign her, but more importantly, she made Jay look like a fucking star. I mean, Jade is a star, but, like, man, there are some women that Jade just meshes so well with, and AQA was one of them. She, that match was fantastic. They had great chemistry. We we saw um, Jeff Cobb's move. What the hell is it called? Something Island. Tour of the Islands. Oh, yes. right, right. It's yeah. Jeff Cobb's moved. And Jade pulled that out. And, of course, it looks dominant because Jade's so much bigger than AQA. So, like, she, like, flipped her in the air, which is cool. But, Jackie, what did you think of this match? I thought it was really freaking good. 
Um, Jade seems to do very well when she has opponents that know how to sell for her very well. Um, and AQA really did pull out that, like, you know, she sold for Jade very well. But I think what really endeared me to this match overall was the fact that the assumption probably was that it was going to be another squash, squash match because it's, you know, somebody that's not signed to the company. So, like, why are they going to give anybody against Jade? that time of day but they really let the two of them go and aqa pulled out some really like impressive moves she looked great immediately i'm like i hope they sign her you know and i don't get that vibe necessarily from everybody but she just seems somebody that really could be a standout in that roster so now we have jaded she what is she at now like 27 and something like that it's like, <laughs> which so, is legit for people yeah. like she's only had 27 matches like not only is it her undefeated thing, but like in her career, in her- like her that match with Shaq was her first match ever. If you guys listen yeah. to Jericho's podcast with her, yeah. she talks about it like that. Like it's not like oh on TV she's twenty seven and zero. No, no, no. Her as a person has only had twenty seven. Exactly. Matches. It's not like oh twenty seven and zero here in AEW. Like this is this is her run, and I have to say, like you know, shout out back to that. Definitely, if you have the opportunity, do listen to that Talk Is Jericho episode with Jade Cargill because. Jade gives so much insight on her career and what this means to her. Like, she's like literally telling people, I don't have to do this. This is not about the money for me. This is because I'm passionate about what I do and I want to be the best at it. And she really put in the work to be at the level that she is now, considering that she herself is a freaking rookie. And here she is, a first time ever TBS champion. And I know it's a scripted sport. I know that, you know, really? the, it is. They, <laughs> I know, shocker, Stop. shocker. So, you know, it's like they, you know, the company will decide who they want to put the title on. They could put it on anybody. But I feel like she has felt like a credible champion even this early on in her career. And I found a tweet back all the way from March of last year where I'm talking about Jade looking and feeling like a star and Almost a year later, I have not changed my opinion except to think that her star is continuing to be on the rise and I can't wait to see what's going to be next for her. I'm just curious to know what number the streak is going to stop at. And who's going to break it? Yeah, That's That's very interesting. Yeah, But what do you think, Kyle? I've loved everything they've done with Jade. Um, And I think people forget, too, it took how long for Britt Baker to get better in the ring and to finally find her ground? Like it took, and, and that's with years of indie experience as well. Yeah, like she was like, in the indies for a while. Like when she came in AEW, she was—I don't like using the term—but she was green as hell mm-hmm. coming into AEW for a woman who's been wrestling around the indies. And like, you know, it wasn't hitting. She started out as a babyface, wasn't hitting with the crowd. Her matches weren't necessarily that great. But look how far she's come since then. Like Jade just got here, guys. Like it's gonna take some time and. So far, since she's gotten here, her star power is at the top. So this is very, very big for a person like Jade Cargill in the spot that she's in. And she's got everything in the book. The wrestling will come with time. She's a great wrestler. We like I think she's she looks a lot better now than she did in her first match. Like she's come a very long way ever since even her first match. That will come with time, but she's already got the look. She's got the mouthpiece with Mark Sterling, but she can also talk herself. She's got the charisma. She's got the it 
factor and what professional wrestling companies look for for money makers and she is that one she is going to be a big star i mentioned it last night when we were watching um we were watching dynamite i'm like this is basically like like they're china but a lot better like she's going to be mm-hmm. like a, escalate a lot higher than a china so i can't wait for the future with jade cargill um that's a good question like who who's going to be the one to defeat the streak i know that looks like they're doing a thing with this Whoever it is is gonna is gonna obviously now take that belt off of her. So mm-hmm. um it's gonna be a huge moment. It's gonna be a big moment. It's gonna be someone who's on the up and up. And it's gonna I think they're gonna wait until like she's got her first perfect feud and you know they can kinda uh kind of build off that and capture that moment first, whoever's gonna take that belt off of her. Until then, I feel she's gonna stay still remain dominant. Um if I could like Think of a someone off the bat that's here in the company now. Could be someone that they sign later down the line. But someone now I'd love like a Sky Blue. That would be eventually pretty cool if they ha- if they mm-hmm. built something out of her. Or even a Ruby Riot. Not Ruby Riot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho, I think, would or be a Ty Conti. Yeah, or, or a Ty Conti. Yeah. Like someone or like even that. a bunny, right? With, yeah. with with bunny getting so much momentum with these crazy matches she's having. Like, why not her? So I think that will be a big moment for any one of those people. So I think they have the talent and the people there now. And if eventually someone comes in and it just lines up perfectly, sure. But uh, everything they're doing with Jay is amazing. And then, again, big props to AQA. I think she had a really good showing. I think Tony Khan should keep her around for a couple of more dark and elevation matches and see what else she's got against some other people. And then if she impresses again, I'd say sign her. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't agree more now. We let we, we we made Jackie wait long enough, right? We made her wait. Like <laughs> I she, guess, so she yeah. opened up the show talking about how we got so much of the pinnacle slash FTR stuff on this week's show. So I want to get into the opening segment that was this like MJF celebration of him beating Punk not once but twice in Chicago. And and, and the biggest pop of all is MJF gets brought out like a king sitting on a throne. Unreal. And he, he comes out, and what popped me was there's two women with him, right? There's one who's um Gabby something. Yeah, She's Gabby a, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ortiz is her last name? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, Gabby Ortiz, who is an indie wrestler. She was on, I think, Dark or Elevation the last couple of weeks. Um, So her I recognize. But then there was a redhead that was there that I did not recognize. And MJF full-on French kisses her, like, hard. And you're like, oh. Okay, <laughs> right? Like, okay. And then people on Twitter are like, oh, that's his girlfriend. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. Because <laughs> I was like, in a COVID world, sir, I'm like, <laughs> you were just what? tongue down the throat. Like, what girl agrees? It. Like, you're going to go out there and you're going to make out MGF. Okay. Yeah, hard. <laughs> like, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make love yeah. to him on stage. He un- they understood the assignment, basically. Yeah, right? But uh, before we get into the match that followed, I want to go to you, Jackie, first. What did you think of just the opening segment and all the stuff that – MGF said and and just everything in general. Yo, MGF's extra ass is everything. His ass just coming. No, <laughs> not his his extra. That's a very oh, okay. New York, New Jersey thing. Uh, his extra self. Oh, thank you. Is is just like it's everything to me. Him coming out like it's his bar mitzvah and he's coming out on the throne and I you know I think it's very telling. The fact that everybody 
that he, you know, acknowledged got a special entrance. FTR got their special entrance. Spears yeah, how do you got feel their about entrance. The suit? Before, let, don't let, let's, we're not going to just speed past it. Nah, we're not going to do that. All right. Talk that about suit, the suit. They were, they were at arm in arm. Cash was blowing his, his, his horrible mullet. Oh. His mullet. Just blowing Joe it. Joe Dirt mullet. Right? It's so funny because it's so long in the back now. So oh. it's like, oh, yeah. It's, blowing it's it out like that. Like my, man is gonna, my man is getting ready to be Joe Dirt for Halloween. I'm just saying. Oh, dude. Yeah. It, it is. It is. And as soon as it comes out, we're like, oh, Jackie here. Your boy's out here acting a fool. Jackie was fanning. I, I, she had three I fans on her. her. She could not breathe. Yep. That is... So accurate, <laughs> accurate, <laughs> accurate. Listen, all right. Listen. You threw me off my. You can't be talking Linda, about this listen. stuff. You threw me listen, off Linda, my train listen. of thought. <laughs> anyway, everybody gets acknowledged. Everybody gets a special moment. MJF turns around. And he says, "I could not have won that match without Sean Spears. Thank you for <laughs> yeah. helping me prep for that match." And the whole while, meanwhile, like Wardlow gets no entrance music. He has to bring out the damn cardboard cutouts of MJF and set them up in the ring. He gets thrown in his face that it was Sean Spears and not him that's the reason that MJF won this match. So Warlow is just getting disrespect upon disrespect. And I absolutely adore the way that he sells an entire story without saying anything at all. Dude's facial expressions says everything you need to know. He is a thousand percent over MJF shit. And at one point he had the champagne bottle and I was like, please, I just want him to like reach over and crack MJF over the head with it. I know it's too soon. I know it's wishful thinking, but in my fantasy, that is how that scene played out whoa. with Wardlow just whoa, freaking saying, you know what? Whoa, Jackie, whoa. <laughs> whoa, 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 reel it back in. No, I, I I, love what they're doing here. And then, of course, you get CM Punk coming out and demanding a rematch with MJF. Um, it's just like layers upon layers of madness. But the bigger story to me here is when... Wardlow is finally going to turn on MJF. I can't stand it anymore. It's like teetering right on the edge. My man is frustrated and he's over it. And I just want to see him whoop MJF's ass. So Kyle, what'd you think of the, the opening segment? But more importantly, when Punk came out and we got the teaser that, hey, maybe it'll be in Darby. And then, of course, we get the curveball. Like, no, that wasn't allowed. That was... It was an overall great segment. I felt at the end of it, there's a little bit too much pandering, like near the end of the promo. I think they, they could have wrapped it up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit cleaner. But overall, it was fantastic. I loved everything about it, even like the MJF over the top entrance. I even tweeted out, I'm like, even Cody Rhodes can't get an entrance like this. And this <laughs> yeah. man is all about the entrance. Mm -hmm. um, Just uh, think about how crazy his next entrance is going to be. Right, he's all you see now. He's like, okay, going way, way over the top more than that. <laughs> We're going to have like. A giant monster truck roll into the stadium or something from the Go Big Show or I don't know something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, T Pain is going to be playing his theme song during. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was awesome segment. Boy Sean Spears out there, love this man. I love that MJF pointed him out, and someone pointed out in the chat. It was all Wardlow's facial expressions throughout this whole promo that made this promo the best, and mm -hmm. I it, it just it keeps it built it's building and building and building until. Um, Whatever, whenever Warlow does decide to turn, um, 
and then yeah, we got at the end with the like the surprise, like you know, if you can beat FTR, the greatest team in the world, with you and a partner of your choosing that can't be stinging Darby, everyone started freaking out on Twitter, like, okay, is this another surprise? Like, you see him tweet at at Danhausen, he's like, at Smojo, are you in the country? And it's just like, yeah, damn, yeah. like it just it got so crazy. And I want to kind of roll a little bit back now. I think well, they're gonna. It's gonna be a rematch now. It's official because we saw what happened. So MGF, we know CM Punk's gonna come out next week now, and pick MGF for Revolution. I think that there's gonna be a clause in that match that if CM Punk beats MJF, Wardlow is free of his contract with MJF. That'd be interesting. Because MJF mentioned that no, he's still contractually uh, like to be with me. Mm-hmm. I think Punk is going to add, like, if I beat you at Revolution, Wardlow's contract with you is done. He can leave. And that's where it's going to, you know, I Punk's going to beat MJF at Revolution. And Wardlow's, that we're going to get the turn after that match. We're going to get something. Possibly. Like, that's where I well, think Well, I know that the chat was also bringing up um, maybe Punk versus MJF in a steel cage match. I don't think it's going to be that crazy. There's too much going on at, at Revolution. I know... Yes, yeah, it's the Wait. WrestleMania, right? They got to they got to build it up, man. They gotta, oh we got to get cage God, matches. We got to have we have the ladder match already. You know, we're gonna have really we're gonna have a lot of awesome matches. You know, might as well put a steel cage there, man. It's a WrestleMania. Got to build it up. But uh, yeah, but it's like the cage match lends itself to like keeping other people out of the yeah, match from interfering. Yeah, yeah. I still think that stipulation is gonna be added though, even if it's a steel cage match. That part of the stipulation will be if CM Punk can beat MJF, Wardlow's free of his contract. So, I could see that. Um, I could definitely see that. And then I'm not. Don't mute me. And then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, well, we got the perfect partner. The like the part. No, I didn't even think I didn't even come mm-hmm. across my mind that John Moxley would be his partner, and that was the best thing they could have done. We mm-hmm. literally got on Dynamite FTR against Moxley and CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Like, who's but don't let wrestling Twitter tell you. Yeah, don't let. I know who's complaining. It's yeah. wrestling Twitter. All right, because they were saying people were, you know, there were like stupid people tweeting in it, and it kind of flooded. This is the wave. It hit the wave, and everybody was talking about it. Oh, FTR was booked better when they were in WWE. Meanwhile, they're fighting Moxley and Punk on Dynamite. They fought Sting a couple weeks and look ago. Good. They look oh, like they dominated please. most of that match, regardless of yeah. and Moxley. And I can't Punk winning. wait to go off on this one. <laughs> yeah, but then people, oh yeah, they were better in WWE. No, they were they were great in NXT. We don't talk about their their main roster run because it was dog shit. Right? There's like two good teams on the main roster, or three if you count the Street Profits. But the Street Profits, I don't think were up at the time. They're not even so the same like, anymore. They really yeah. aren't the same anymore. So yeah, so they they've ruined everything when it comes to tag teams there that isn't involved with the New Day or the Usos. So it's like you, you have FTR on one side on Raw shaving each other's back with the Uso Icy Hot stupid shit. The or you Uzi have them hot. wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> Uso Hot. You have them wrestling Moxley and fucking CM Punk on a big, one of the biggest dynamites and they ever. they dominated. They, and the match was incredible. <laughs> FTR well, dominated most of that match. It was mostly mm-hmm. FTR. I don't know if anyone forgot to watch the whole match. Maybe mm-hmm. you should go back and rewatch it. FTR looked more dominant than Punk and a team of Punk and Moxley. Mm-hmm. That just shows you how good of a tag team they are. I don't know how people don't can't put two and two together. They just they choose to say no, 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 fuck that shit. <laughs> I'd rather get <laughs> some stupid main event match 
with Listen, I don't even know who. <laughs> I can't even think of anyone. Our truth and yeah. somebody against Whoever, somebody. Some random partner. But the whole thing, the, the one shout out I want to give for tweet of the night. And before we get to Jackie and she breaks this match down, Sean Ross Sapp tweeted. And this is going to oh, pop was, This is hilarious. Tully Blanchard is 300 years old. <laughs> Poor Tully, man. This Tully, man could not get up for that GTS. I, I, oh, I couldn't. I, in my, in my breath, I was like trying not to laugh at him, like struggling to get up. And yeah, it is so funny. If you look, I'm just glad he didn't get hurt. Look back, go back and watch. CM Punk kind of smirked a bit and laughed a little bit. He, it was funny, man. You know, yeah. Poor Tully, man. <laughs> Poor guy. Leave Tully alone, man. But Jackie, break this match down. Let, let 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 I want you to break it down, move by move, second by second, yes. thigh by thigh, Let's thigh by thigh, especially. Make sure the thighs. Wow, wow, wow. No, I'm not gonna do like y'all watch the match, okay? Everybody knows Twitter was going off that the match slapped really freaking hard. Um, I just want to say at this stage of the game, if y'all are still out there saying that FTR is a boring team. I don't know how to help you because, oh my God, consistently putting on, and I know that I could probably sound incredibly biased because yes, huge FTR mark here, but let's be very serious. The matches that they've been putting on have been freaking stellar. Whoever the opponent is, whatever the style is, I've always said it. They're the most adaptable tag team there is. They did look very dominant in that match against two high-profile wrestlers. You have CM Punk and John Moxley. John Moxley, a former heavyweight champion. CM Punk, arguably a future heavyweight champion. And they looked solid. And you know why they look solid? Because they are an established tag team. An established tag team should always look more cohesive than two singles guys thrown together. So yes, the story is told there. Obviously, you know you're going to go Punk and Mox because it furthers the storyline with Punk and MJF. But when it comes to match quality, FTR is freaking untouchable. I just gave up freaking trying to argue the point with people who are like, oh, they're not entertaining. They're boring. They're whatever. <laughs> Say what you want. I mean, if you enjoy being wrong, that's your prerogative. But the bottom line is, Match after match, they're going out there and they're putting on stellar quality matches. You can't argue with that anymore. And, and if you're thoughts. in that stage, if you're in that stage of denial, like I said, I don't know how to help you. There's obviously a difference of opinions that are allowed. This is one that you can't argue with me. Yeah, uh, we we get it. Everybody's allowed to have their own opinion, but your opinion can be fucking stupid. Okay, like yeah, your with Adam Cole like stuff. The people with if you don't think at this point in the game. If you are a pro wrestling fan for more than a year and you catch an FTR match and in your head you can't put together the opinion that FTR are one of the best tag teams in the world, then I don't know what the fuck you're watching. Again, like I said, yeah, because you're watching unreal. a totally different show. You could put on any I match. And this is where, like, let's bring Dark and Elevation back into it. They they fight a lot on Dark and Elevation, and they mm -hmm. fight, like, no-name teams or rookie teams. And the matches are stellar. The matches are so good, even though they're only, like, Five-minute matches, seven-minute matches. But the matches are always so good. Like Kyle said, they got a ton of offense in this. And like oh, Jackie yeah. said, it was because in AEW, if you are a true blue tag team, right, 
it is very hard to beat you. Of course, because of this whole MJF Punk thing, the good guys are going to go over. But they went over because of shenanigans. Tully got involved. This person got involved. There was all these other outside things that led to them winning. Right? It wasn't like they faced FTR straight up one-on-one, no outside interference, no craziness, no shenanigans, and they won. Like It was t- done in a great way. Plus, who's on a bigger momentum swing as far as the male wrestlers than John Moxley right now since coming back? So like you're not beating Moxley. Mm-hmm. The punk stuff, like I said, is going to the storyline. And it was great. FTR looked incredible. Yet again, like Jackie mm-hmm. said, they made their opponents look incredible. And that's the beauty of FTR. And yeah. people need to stop saying stupid shit and just enjoy the <laughs> fact that FTR are, in my opinion, the best tag team ever. I don't care yeah. if you wrestle in any era. They can wrestle any team. It doesn't matter. And it would still be an incredible match. Wait. And speaking of any era, I just want to say the, the nod to tag teams of yesteryear, we will say, with that doomsday device being oh, yes. in the mm-hmm. match, mm-hmm. come on. Like, mwah, chef's Perfect. kiss all over the place. Even though just the Punk and Moxley. I, yes, but it's well, yeah. the acknowledgement <laughs> to, you know, to classic tag teams. And you know that a big part of that has to be FTR. Um, yeah, I, I could go on forever and ever and ever. Well but, said, Jackie, yeah. and well said, Phil. Cotaldo. 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 I actually spelled my name C-O-T instead of C-A-T. Ah, <laughs> oh, Kyle, come on. Man. I want to blame Grammarly on that one. <laughs> yeah, again? Yeah. Jesus, Kyle. Grammarly doesn't like your last name. Second grade. <laughs> is that what it is? Um, now, real quick before we get out of here. So there's two more segments that I want to talk about. Both will be on the quicker side. So the first thing, which got a huge pop out of me and Kyle, we saw a kind of teaser for what's next for Penta. Pentagon Junior category. That was like yeah, vignette category, yeah. right? Uh, we get a tease at Penta Dark, which, if none of you guys watched Lucha Underground, was a big character for him when he was there. He's like this super, just hardcore, aggressive version of himself. Which, if they're doing that here, because Malachi spit the mist in his face, is going to be unreal. I can only imagine what a match between Malachi and Penta Dark could look Yo, like. That's got to be the pay per view match. That's got to be. It, it is going to be. But I think it's going to be Pac. It might be Pac and Penta Dark against uh, House of Black. I guess what they're going towards. I would rather it not be a tag match. I mean, honestly, that's just my opinion. But, I mean, Penta versus Malachi one-on-one, especially Penta Dark. You know, like, I think that match would, would lend itself a little bit better to this vignette that they're clearly trying to build something around Penta. So I want to see the one-on-one. So what about Julia Hart? So I don't know if anyone's seen again, she's like, she's retweeting herself from dark or or elevation. She like threw the jacket, the varsity blondes jacket down at the ground this week. Mm -hmm. Like Like left it behind her. So I, I really want them to play off this and really like start like, featuring her i know it maybe it's a slow build but i really want to see her in the house of black like i want her to be the, one of the female yeah. role in that so hopefully maybe at the pay-per-view we get that maybe that'll like maybe the lights go out like near the end of the match and julia harsh is there with a new look and it kind of distracts like a penta dark and then it causes maybe. malachi to win i don't know either way penta dark so excited for this so pumped i remember seeing uh, a bunch of matches when he was as Penta Dark in Lucha Underground. I was hyped for that. So there's a match. It's Penta Dark versus Chelsea Green. Who, who was her character name there? It, it, oh, I forget who uh, it was. And it was crazy. I forgot what it was. 
It started with an R, maybe. Oh, why am I somebody like blanking on that? I'm like blanking. Yeah, somebody in the chat let us know. But they, Penta had a match with Chelsea Green because, of course, if you guys don't know, there were no rules in Lucha Underground. It was like a fight temple. You know what I mean? So women fought men. It was just crazy. What was her name? I can't. Someone's going to correct us. Let's just keep going. Yeah. Rec- All right. Reclusa. So, reclusa. Ah, Re- she was Reclusa. Um, that match was awesome if you guys haven't checked it out. I think Lucha Underground is still on Netflix, so that should be up there. But the one thing that I, we have to talk about before we get out of here, because we've been asking week after week for months, please give Santana and Ortiz a chance to shine. And when we saw another fucking Inner Circle segment, we were like, here we go. Here we go. Another bullshit thing, another reunion, whatever. But it wasn't that. And the best part is, Jericho barely talked, and it was mostly <laughs> just Santana with that fire, and then Ortiz with that fire, and the Sammy stuff, which it was what it was. We didn't really like it. It was kind of whatever for what it was. Um, you know, if you guys want to bring that up or not, but like I, I, we need to highlight how incredible that promo from Santana and Ortiz was. It really made them stand apart. It really made them feel more serious. It came from a real place. It sounded like it was us on Twitter talking about it. Like, yes, the main events were cool, but like we were always fighting your battles. We weren't allowed to be the great tag team that we are. So Jackie, as a fellow PNP fan like myself, how did it feel that they finally got their moment to shine last night? The fellow Boricua, this yeah, moment Boricua. was <laughs> legit. Boricua, as Kyle was saying. Boricua, as Jackie was saying. <laughs> There was a moment where Santana says, to, in regards to Ortiz, like he says, Santana says, <laughs> he's like, you better be thankful that this man is the only reason I didn't drop you on your yeah. ass a long time ago. Yeah. I was like, yes, thank you. I like this whole segment could have been a freaking train wreck, but the fact that they let Santana loose on that microphone. And he has proven time and time again that when he gets a chance to speak his mind, everything feels very real, very credible. And it feels like a fight is about to break mm-hmm. down and he, somebody's about to get their freaking ass beat. Mm-hmm. Cry baby ass Jericho talking about how, oh, like whining about, oh, you didn't tag me into the freaking match. And everybody saw it. And the people that paid their hard-earned money to come see me didn't get to see me in that match. Who freaking who? I wish Santana would have dropped him on his ass in the ring at that moment. Quickly about Sammy saying, like, you know, giving his ultimatum, saying, oh, you know, like, uh, if you guys don't figure your stuff out, I'm going to walk away from the inner circle. I left this before I'll do it again. I said it. I'm like, why? What was the reason? He literally said he was ready to drop Jericho. What fixing do you think is going to happen in this relationship? Nothing. It's done. It's over with. So you going or, you know, throwing an ultimatum makes no freaking sense (laughs) whatsoever. It's just like, let it be done. So now we're going to get Santana Ortiz versus Jericho and Hager. I hope that this is the final nail in the coffin and let Santana and Ortiz go do their thing. If we get Eddie Kingston uh, returning, that'll be great too. But I think the bottom line is they're going to start showing exactly why the company in a way has slept on Santana and Ortiz. Let them come into their own, throw some tag team gold on my boys. Cause I'm ready. And the one thing that I do want to give a shout out to Chris Jericho, I love the line that he said, 
when he was like, oh, maybe we got the wrong members for LAX. And that really popped Santana. It got him tight and it was able to, to bring this like <clears throat> crazy emotion out of him, right? And, and mention of Homicide and Hernandez from, from TNA. It, it was really cool. And you just felt the passion coming from Santana, which is all, all we ever really wanted, right? It, it's just so cool. I didn't really like the Sammy thing either. I thought that's like, it is what it is. I mean, obviously it has to be there because he is an inner circle. So he would have a say of what's going on, right? He would be the one to try to keep them together. But I'm all for this thing kind of going crazy. And hopefully we get a Santana and Ortiz title uh, sooner than later. But Kyle, what'd you think of this whole segment? It was all right. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if it really hit with me that hard. Um, the ending was pretty cool. I kind of see the ultimate end game here. I think we're going to get Jericho versus Eddie Kingston, depending on how uh, healed up Eddie Kingston is. Um, if he's good enough for the pay-per-view, might even get it at the pay-per-view. Um, I get this like vision of next week, Santana Ortiz absolutely just demolishing both of them. Maybe like it's wishful thinking, maybe a little bit out there, but maybe Hager walks out on Jericho. Maybe like maybe get like Hager gets pissed off at Jericho and Jericho doesn't like tag him in or something or, or tags himself in and then Hager walks out and then Santana Ortiz wins. And I get this vision of like Jericho, like like Santana Ortiz are cheering in the ring and, and, and Jericho's walking up the ramp, like all like hurt. And Eddie Kingston just laughs and walks by and heads towards the ring and celebrates with Santana and Ortiz. And that kind of just like, they kind of had like, have like a glance kind of moment there. Um, and then kind of maybe set something up at the pay-per-view. But I think the end game here is going to be Jericho in and Eddie Kingston uh, in some way, one-on-one, again, depending on when Eddie Kingston's healed up, um, if he's going to be healed up by the pay-per-view. If not, they'll probably do like a special dynamite in between Revolution and, Di- and, and uh, Double or Nothing where that'll be one of the showcase matches. And uh, yeah, I mean... The, the same thing didn't hit with me either, Jackie. I'm kind of on the same boat there. It's just, it, 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 it was weird. I'm like, they're not going to resolve this. So why, like, you know, they're not going to so, resolve yes. this. Like, they, they, they're, they came out to their own, their old theme song. They're not, I love how JR's like, oh, they got a new theme. I'm like, JR, like, they, they've had like, it. No, they've legit yeah. had it. I just felt like it was like Sammy taking the spotlight off of what should have been the main focus, which is Santana Ortiz. It's like, no, I want to make this about me. No, dude, it's yeah. not your moment. Just shh. Yeah, that, that that was a little bit unneeded and unnecessary. That's why. I and Sammy, please you. stop wearing two fucking belts. Yeah, yeah. One belt, bro. Get rid of the belt. Like, stop wearing one two belt, belts. Man. If hashtag anybody, one belt, Sammy. Anybody yeah, please, in AW man. listening, please get rid of the, like. It just doesn't look great. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, even if you don't even say anything about it, if you just got rid of it one week and it was just yeah. gone, no one would. Nobody say will. Nobody will say anything. No one will say anything, I, or no one would care. I just really hope that the main takeaway is obviously we know that down the line we're going to get Kingston and Jericho, but I don't want Santana and Ortiz to fall by the wayside again to fall secondary to this feud with Kingston and Jericho. I want something to culminate from this where PNP go on this like monster run and just start being the team that everybody knows that they were capable of being, but maybe just didn't have the opportunity because like they said, they were playing second fiddle to Jericho. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, hundred <sighs> percent. Yeah. Um, but now, with a great dynamite in the books, we have a great rampage and another great dynamite lined up for this week. So we want to preview that real quick for you guys before we get out of here. On rampage this week, we have Hook versus Blake Lee. Blake Lee, of course, is that student from the Nightmare Factory that everybody keeps talking about. Um, you know, if, if people listening in the chat 
know who this person is. No one seems to know who this person is. So, I mean, it'll be cool. Hook's going to kill somebody... him, no matter who it is. Yeah, Hook's going to murder him. <laughs> uh, the, the main event of the night is the Ass Boys or the Gun Club yeah. uh, versus Jurassic Ass Express Boys for the tag titles, uh, which we're hearing good things about. Um, we have Britt Baker versus Robin Renegade, which, uh, as according to Ant, got a lot of time. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, we have Rapungi Vice, who is Trent and Rocky Romero versus the Young Bucks, which are getting incredible reviews people are saying that's the match you do not want to miss this week on rampage so that's a lot of fun and then we go on over to our dynamite preview we have of course the match that we were talking about santana and ortiz versus jericho and hager and thunder rosa and mercedes martinez finally having their match a no dq match match. and it's going to be a good time that will probably get the ball rolling with this thunder rosa Britt baker feud that's probably going to be her feud going into revolution so uh yeah we we get, you don't think so? No. I think that's going to be double or nothing. You think they're going to they're hold it out that long? Yep. I think Britt's going to hold the belt for at least a whole year. No, which is fine. But you don't. who do you think Britt's opponent's going to be then? Maybe Jamie? Something in the short term? Maybe, yeah. Possibly. Mark- but listen, we have what a lot Mercedes of great wrestling wins? coming up. Oh, <laughs> that's true. And they continue that What if Mercedes wins and says, you know, I, I just beat Thunder Rose and now I'm coming for your belt, Britt? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What if Deanna Perrazzo shows up yeah, and no. wants another belt? Because you, you and Annie like should oh get off. Lord. You got you and Annie get off that train until it's finally she's gone from Impact, man. <laughs> she still has a belt over there. It's not happening. <laughs> she has a belt everywhere, bro. Yeah, she's she's not showing up. Champion. If she hadn't showed up by now, she ain't showing she's up. Triple A champion. <laughs> Y'all need to leave that boat. <laughs> Listen, we it's wishful thinking, right? Yeah. Let me have something, okay, right? Because Tesla Blanchard's never no, been wrestling. I'm wrestling Twitter, and you're not allowed to have fun. <laughs> All right, Kyle, at this rate, Tessa Blanchard is more likely to wrestle you who? than she is just to wrestle in general. <laughs> I'll say Shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're going to have to put Tessa Blanchard under a mask at this point <laughs> for her to wrestle again. Give me what I want, bro. Uh, no, you're not allowed. <laughs> I'm saying yeah, I'm, I'm wrestling I'm not, I'm not allowed to have fun. Yeah, I'm not allowed to have fun anymore. You're supposed to hate the product, not like it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> the one thing we do have fun is with you guys. And uh, so we're going to thank everybody for listening. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, at Elite POV, Instagram, at Elite POV, uh, TikTok. Almost every time Jackie's on the show, I look at her when I say this because I'm like, don't say Twitch. Don't say Twitch. So TikTok, <laughs> at Elite POV Clips, we're putting up a lot of cool stuff up there. YouTube.com slash Elite POV, where Kyle is doing a lot of great stuff with kind of sectioning out certain topics on the show and making shorter form videos. So if that is something you, <laughs> I'm reading the chat now. Everyone's telling me I'm not allowed to have fun. No, Phil uh, Cotaldo can't, yeah. but Cotaldo can. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So uh, Kyle is putting up a lot of shorter form content for you guys. Uh, the bigger topics that you guys seem to enjoy. Um, if that's something you guys want to keep seeing, let us know. Cause uh, we're definitely have a lot of fun kind of breaking those stuff down for you guys. So our content is a little more accessible for everybody. Maybe if you're showing us to somebody new, which we hope you are, because we really appreciate that. Of course, if you want to go a step further and support us, we have patreon.com slash elite POV or twitch.tv slash elite POV, where you guys can be here. You can drop a sub. You can lose your, your Amazon prime sub, right? We haven't brought this up in a while, but Amazon prime, you can sub to Twitch for free. Yeah. Bezos. Yeah. If you don't, yeah. If you don't use that Twitch, that Amazon Prime subscription, it goes away. It costs. Shout you out Jeffrey. Yeah. Right. But it could really go a long way helping us out. We have a lot of cool things planned this year, and we're going all out uh, as a whole team. So any bit that you guys want to yeah. give to us, I gotta, we appreciate. 
I do got an update. Oh yeah, you're welcome there, uh, ascended. Um, I, he he reached out to me about the Cade Bane thing in uh, Book of Boba Fett. Uh, yes. So two things with uh, Patreon guys. Me and Phil have been talking. We're actually going to be potentially starting a new show coming soon. Yes, coming mm-hmm. to Patreon, talking about pop yep. culture, non wrestling, pop culture things, mm-hmm. and mainly Star Wars and all that jazz. So that's coming to Patreon soon. And two, I did put out a poll on Patreon. I'm going to be doing something pretty cool because it is WrestleMania season. A lot of people still watch the other product, and that is perfectly okay. I want to fill you guys in with some of that content as well. I put up a poll on some of the WrestleMania matches that I feel should be redone and I think need to do justice. What I'm going to do is I'm going to 2K simulate, make sure it's a very good match, something that should have happened at that WrestleMania, and I'll give a little backstory in before the matches as well. I'm going to 2K simulate that. If you guys have seen me and Ant's EFET, it's really fun. I'm going to maybe commentate. I haven't really decided yet. Um... That'll be up on Patreon soon as well. But yes, mm-hmm. guys, keep an eye on Patreon. We are brainstorming like crazy what stuff to bring over to Patreon. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, we're, we're trying to give you guys the best content going forward. And if you guys watched our Good Morning, Morning Elite from last week, we were able to welcome in the best in the world at I Am Jermazing, making his debut. Mm-hmm. And this is the type of stuff you guys can get if you subscribe to the Patreon tier of best in the world there's still a few people we need to schedule and start to bring on um of course this week with the way scheduling is going there's no good morning elite this week because both kyle and ant who are the producers of the show are busy this weekend so not this week but as we get into as ant is now moving into his forever home and we're gonna have a lot more time to kind of do all these things that we were talking about another thing elitepovmerch.com like i said in the beginning of the show please make you sure you get there and you get all the stuff that you want now because some of the stuff is going to start coming off because we want to start making new stuff for you guys and kind of filtering stuff in and out. So we're always staying fresh and current with our designs. If you want to follow me, it's at Philium Elite on Twitter. And Jackie, where can they follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at LoveYouMake24 and on Instagram at JaxTheDrawPOV. And I just want to add a side note. Um We know that finances are what they are and maybe not everybody can afford to sub on Twitch or to sub on Patreon, but sharing content is absolutely free and it helps Mm -hmm. us so much to get the word out there. So if you see a clip that we post and you really enjoy it, retweet it, share it with people and Mm -hmm. and just kind of spread the word about Elite POV, help us grow the brand in that way. It costs nothing, free 99 as we like to say around here. So, but it, but it really means a lot to us. And of course the support of you guys hanging out in the live chat, uh, weekly just means a lot. So thanks y'all. Yep. Thank you guys. And Kyle, let them know everything you got going on. Well, I'll add on to Jackie, even subscribing on YouTube is free. That's also a free button to click. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like she said, guys, you, all you have to do is tweet out. You can retweet all your retweets, your likes that we see. That is enough support for us if you don't want to do the payment side of uh supporting the show because that means the world to us that you guys like and you share the podcast on social media it gets the word out there get more people in here to discuss aew as the end goal as we want to be the goal and number one place for everybody to have fan discussions about aew where you come in you chat about what you've seen and it's a, a fun and, and, and a good time. So that is our end goal. Um, so again, if you don't want to go into the pay route to support us, even liking and sharing, participating in the live chats and, and, and going on Apple Podcasts, 
dropping that five star rating. That's also free to do. That and Spotify support, and Spotify because you can do rating yep. on Spotify. That also supports uh, the podcast mm-hmm. as well. But you can follow me on Twitter at All Elite Kyle. Um, like I said before, I'm going to be doing that Patreon thing soon, and me and Phil are brainstorming on the pop culture show. For the Patreon that's going to come out to you guys soon, that's going to be really fun to sit back and shoot the shit about pop culture things and sit here and actually do stuff, uh, a podcast about non-wrestling, which is going to feel extremely weird to me. But um, And then we're also going to be doing a really cool community night soon. I know Ant wants to get that done. I, I know when he's done moving that we're going to put more stock into that, and that's going to be really fun. Um, and then like, if anyone's seen the show Talking Chop, that's mm-hmm. going to be a, an episode that's coming soon. I can't wait to do yep. that. But anyways, guys, that's it for me. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for all the uh, support that you guys have shown us in the past and moving forward. We thank you and appreciate everything. And thank you guys for listening. This was Elite P-O-V. And remember, you don't need a hat to be a cowboy. And a coffee cup to have a coffee. And See a coffee guys. cup to have a coffee. Bye.